guys. Uh, this is the second tiny-ish episode of the USL show you're going to be getting this week. I'm Hopefully they'll be spaced out a little bit, maybe. Um, but that's up for... Uh, for things out of my control, we'll figure that out in a in a later date. If you uh, if you forget this voice, um, it's Evan Valella. I'm joined by Ryan Allen. Hi, Ryan. How are you? Been a minute. Yeah, it's definitely uh, been a minute, Evan, since we have gotten together on a podcast. Yeah, it's been way too long. Actually, I've missed this. Uh, you guys should have heard Phil and Pony talking about uh, kind of top seven and playoffs and and the actual goings on. As far as the on-field things, uh, Ryan and I stumbled across a uh, article in The Athletic, if you have that subscription, or uh, there's a, a really good breakdown from drop underscore the underscore puck on Reddit uh, from uh, Friday, it looks like, of, uh, of this USL article that Jeff Reuter did with Jake Edwards. And uh, we're just going to kind of burn through the talking points. So... Um, there's about, what is that, three, ten things, eleven things. Some of them are, like, no-brainer, like, I think any soccer league in the world would probably say these, right? Like, oh, well, we want to be ambitious. It's like, right. Yeah, I mean, what league on the world doesn't want to be ambitious? Right. right, yeah, yeah. Or, like, you know, we want to have better TV market and do better broadcasting, which that's been a problem recently, Uh yeah, I mean, we all saw how uh, Loudon's opening one went. Yeah. You know, the guy snarfing down the uh, hot dog yeah. and the camera. Well, you know, ESPN 8 The Ocho was a thing um, recently, so maybe they thought it was like a hot dog eating contest <laughs> that just kind of was the wrong weekend or something, maybe. So know. that's why they pushed the Loudon opening back this far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, some of these are interesting. Um, we'll start with the first one. Um, Six to eight markets to join the championship, and then that's it. And hopefully, unlike MLS, they'll actually stick to that number. That would be nice. Yeah, so if they're currently standing at 36 teams, if you add that six to eight, you're getting to roughly a 40 number because we're not sure how many teams are dropping from the league this year because we'll speak speak later on in this uh, episode that there will be a few that we definitely think so. But if they hang around that 40 number, that's two 20-team roughly or so conferences, mm-hmm. and that's well enough that they can at least try and keep as much of a round-robin schedule like they're finally doing this year. But it's interesting that they're actually closing up, up shop basically for the championship sides because I do believe if you can't include all the big markets that are still remaining on the table in those six to eight if they're the markets we think. Like I know Boise mm-hmm. has been rumored. New Orleans mm-hmm. has also been spoke or talked about. So there are going to be some large market teams who are going to get left out of the championship who'd be a really good addition to League One. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that's, a, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, if you're seeing stuff like Queensboro, who's targeting uh, playing at the Mets Stadium in New York, and then mm. obviously uh, Cleveland's another side that's mm-hmm. coming up, and then I'm sure... Uh, Chicago. Chica- yeah, Chicago, East Bay, Oakland are already... He announced, and then whatever um, Inter-Miami will choose to do with their Fort Lauderdale site once they figure out their stadium in 60 mm. to 90 days, as the joke yeah, always goes. Yeah. Sure. Because I'm sure they'll want them playing at the highest level possible, and especially if Fort Lauderdale can hold their own market. Yeah. Um, two quick things on League One. We'll let the League One fun guys talk about it if they if they wish. Uh, they're looking for two conferences in League One by 2021, which I think makes sense. Um, Cut down on travel. Some, 
Yeah, some movement of teams and want to add teams to League One. Uh, they want to be in the mid to low 20s by 2022. So I think uh, we can piggyback that onto... There it is. Yeah, another point in here that I guess we'll just talk about now because it's relevant. Um, where is it? Where'd it go? They're looking to figure out what's going to happen with the, the MLS reserve sides. Um, and I figure that'll be part of where they get some of the numbers for League One teams to get to that, you know, 20-plus in, uh, what is that, two, three years. Yeah, and I can imagine there's going to be a few um, independent clubs, potentially Charleston or a few other sides that yeah. may make the drop as well, like the, like Richmond did this past season. Mm-hmm. To, like, moderate success? Yeah, I mean Richmond's still pulling in the same crowds. They're not. They can't. They haven't been as been able to compete on the same level. When I saw mm-hmm. them play in uh, July, he, uh, that North Texas side just completely bossed them on the pitch that match. Yeah. But hey, if they're still able to pull the crowds and keep it as profitable as much as they can venture, mm-hmm. then it's better than losing the club entirely. And I should speak from experience on that. Yeah, I mean, do we think the Rochester Rhinos, if they ever play, is that where they end up? Do they end up in League One? Yeah, I mean, I think they already were, like, un- informally announced as, like, a League One team when the league itself was announced alongside the former City Islanders of Penn FC. But, yes. of course, neither side went, like, eight months without tweeting or doing anything. The Rhinos still haven't put anything out ever no, since I, people badgered them to tweet, right? I think they tweeted one thing. It was something oh. like the silence isn't definitely Yeah, yeah, but they haven't put anything out after the that, scenes, right? But, you know, yeah. it's like, after everything you went through, like, it doesn't even have to be like official updates just like yeah just stop, speak just league news stuff or say yeah. the premier league starts today let's have a watch party right, somewhere right. do yeah. something i mean do anything just yeah, be any, just it's like the, stay vaguely relevant like it's not like they don't have enough history to draw off of either yeah it's it's honestly you could it's like the meme they have of like you're just poking it with a stick like come on do something mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But uh, moving on to the um, next point, they said, uh, Edwards had said in this article that they believe the, a Nashville-type situation is coming to an end where a team will come into the league and then leave for MLS. Uh, one such, I, I don't know, I, I, I think, believe like, that. I can believe that, like, way. they would come in only for the purpose of moving in MLS. That, I think that's for only future team. I think a team that's existing in the league could potentially do that if you look at, like, a Louisville-type right. situation. Right. So any team currently in the league, I think, could make the jump to MLS, but yeah. I think any market that joins from this point on knows that they're in there for the long bridge. run. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe, and who know, like, I don't know, who knows, but maybe Jake Edwards is, is going to Don Garber and being like, hey, if you could stop poaching our teams after two years, that'd be great. I mean, they're going to lose the big market side in Sacramento and St. Louis, and then, a pinch, and then you could see Phoenix, Indy, Louisville, yep. North Carolina and or potentially lose the Charlotte, Charlotte market. Or something, yeah. It, it won't necessarily if a uh, Tepper Charlotte team happens, it won't be the independence, but you're you'd right. be losing the Charlotte market from the league. Yeah, like you wouldn't have that exclusivity, which I'm sure has been nice. Yeah, and it's or until Stumptown gets started whatever the hell mm. Nisa is doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's. I think that's something that you know, I would love to see going forward. Like when you see an Oakland East Bay into the league, I think they're going to be here to be in USL. It's, it would right. be, it would create a drive that teams want to push and be successful because 
I'm curious, like, if you take away the MLS carrot from a lot of these teams, mm. would they have that same support rather than, like, you see these clubs are like, oh, yeah, get on and the season ticket track now so you can be first in line when we have MLS, if you take I away that carrot. I think you'd have the support from the community. I don't think you'd have the support, uh, especially not financially, from the ownership. Yeah, I think that's what, like, I can't speak entirely to FC Cincinnati, but I think mm. they had even said that they would scale back, they would have scaled back their investments yeah, if I, they weren't immediately given MLS at some point. I don't know if that was just, like, a weird rumor or just someone trying to, like, plant that so that way people freak out and then MLS sees that a bunch of people, I don't know. A part of me thinks that was, like, a publicity stunt, but, uh, yeah, that was that was the rumor, at least, is that they couldn't feasibly... Uh, fund a team like that anymore but who knows um yeah they want to focus on soccer specific stadiums in, in usl championship they've eclipsed the uh the six thousand seat target that they set and they think that a lot of markets can build uh or support more um i mean we've seen that with the riverhounds build on stadium seats this year um switchbacks announced an eight thousand seater yeah. for the future seasons and then definitely a couple other teams are doing stuff in the work You've uh, seen Hartford Stadium is, is a nice one. Like, there's, I think that, like, Phoenix model, where it's the, um, oh, what are they called? Modular. Them? Modular stadiums is going to be really helpful for USL Championship. And then you see Louisville going out and building out their own place entirely. And yeah. that was, uh, I think it's going to be around a 10,000 seat capacity, but they said they could expand it to 15 if called mm-hmm. upon. And right. then uh, Indy's obviously been going back back and forth with their uh, state uh, yeah. congress and St. Louis is their, thinking about it maybe their own place. Uh, Tacoma that, is yeah. and in the talks about yeah. it. Obviously Chicago is getting things worked out. Mm-hmm. Oh, so there's certainly a bunch of teams on the table to get these markets. But kind of moving into yeah. that next point, they said that a baseball stadium are not ideal, but they're a decent temporary home to basically build up the market, but teams have to be on the plan to build a proper right. stadium yeah. at it's some like, point. You can, you can play there, but show us a blueprint, I think, is what that kind of comes down to, where it's like, if you if you have plans for it, and you think that it can pass a, a bill, then we'll let you play there. But, you know, yeah. we can't have baseball stadiums any longer hosting our finals anymore, I think, is really what that sort of comes down to and it makes me think that remember a couple years ago i I want to say it was a year and a half to two years ago they set out that ultimatum that by a certain time i think it was 2020 you had to be either building or in a soccer specific stadium i think that mandate or ultimatums either it's expired or it's not going to be as heavily applied as they had made it out to be well i mean then i don't think it would have been heavily applied even (laughs) when they made it out to be but if if i had a nickel for every time the league has told teams oh you need to do this and then just kind of been like all right next year <laughs> then uh i don't maybe i could afford that athletic subscription i don't know um yeah i mean it, listen in a perfect world yeah everyone has a soccer specific or they're or they're gearing up towards the soccer specific but you know certain markets and i, I think it's a, a fair bit of it's the reserve sides uh the club doesn't care or, you know, like it's for the teams where it's just about player development or even like Hartford, um, where right now they're trying to build up through the youth in that area. They're not going to be super concerned about what the league thinks as far as where they're playing, really. Yeah. And 
and you talked about even just the market there are some of these markets that it is difficult as hell to build and yeah. if you have yeah Queensboro, like new york can't even get new york city fc can't even get their own stadium situation figured right, out at the moment right. and now we're expecting i've the been USL in the lehigh valley to, a fair bit there's not right. a whole lot up there where you can tear something down and build a stadium yeah it's difficult for mls and it's going to be difficult mm-hmm. for USL more going forward. For, like in a perfect yeah. world, Madison Square Garden would have been a soccer stadium for New York City <laughs> FC, or yeah. we'd be tearing out parts of Central Park for a soccer stadium. But cool. I think understanding going forward that some of these scenes that sta- Rome wasn't built in a day, these stadiums aren't built overnight. Mm-hmm. The flexibility is going to be required. Uh, no prize money right now for the championship, winning it or otherwise. Uh, they're looking at it. Again, it's just kind of a very like. Well, yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, it was kind of a cut-and-dry statement, but all yeah. the other leagues, I, I'm not sure about MLS, but Europe, obviously, you get payouts for winning competitions, for Champions League, Cup competitions, the league. Like, even for the Premier League, I want to say that was roughly around a £34 million pound payout that City received from the league yeah. itself, but obviously that was bumped up by the, your TV money, sponsorship deal, was just general payouts of everything else. So it's obviously a lot higher it's just interesting to see it going forward that it, you'd have teams going out for prize money. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there is there is payouts. At least in 2016 for MLS, there were payouts, so I imagine that's still a thing. They're probably higher now. But, yeah, it's, I guess, additional TAM and GAN that they can trade. Yeah, no, I mean, yes, that's fair. I don't know what money they get. Um. <laughs> Looking at ProRail for the future, the structure of the league means that dropping a division isn't the massive drop-off in finances that it is in the other leagues around the world, which is totally fair. Um, I still think you're going to run into a little bit of trouble trying to convince people that losing any money is going to be worth it in the long haul. Um, But maybe that's a part of vetting these franchises to make sure that they're not just trying to make as much money as quickly as possible a la nashville a la cincinnati you know where it's like oh uh yeah we're here for now and then they leave and you know their owner gets hundreds more million dollars right off the bat or whatever it is um the other one that plays into that they're also looking at adding an interleague cup we talked about this with with ryan madden when we had him on many many moons ago um it's gonna be a weird financial thing to figure out but i'd love to see that i'd love just like a a USL League Cup. Yeah, I think that could be something fantastic. I've already, like, almost played around in my head. Like, how can they, like, fairly structure this? Right. I'd love to see them do, like, a group stage type of situation where you mm. do, like, a just single round robin. Like, if you're in, like, a five-team group stage, you play the other four teams twice at home, twice on the road, or mm. whatever against whoever, and then you'd build off from there. I feel like this could be, like, a really fun competition, and it's actually going to be, like, the official proving ground of... Where it's like, can the League One size adequately compete with the top championship sides? And it, honestly, they could even add in the USL League Two sides, or at least the top ones that could afford to mm-hmm. compete at this level if they're you know, to kind of keep everyone under the uh, USL umbrella. Yes. But I feel, the Interleague Cup, I think it's going to be fantastic. I, I recall them saying they wanted to get it off the ground for 2020 or 2021, but I think they're still. Working out all the details, I, obviously, would have a sponsorship and everything on top of that. Yeah, I think it'd be 2021, to be honest, only because you got to figure out, like, once they figure out the movement of all the clubs and they figure out who else is joining, then you can kind of figure out. Because I think it'd be really cool to do it um, 
at least to start regionally like the open cup is now and then maybe once it's a little less crazy financially or these teams have some money under their you know in their pockets after a couple years of operating then to do the fa cup style like everyone gets a ping pong ball yeah that's one of the i understand why regional things are a thing in this country just to Mm -hmm. we're a massive we're a country the size of the entire continent of europe going from boston to la is the equivalent of lisbon to st petersburg russia so I understand the regional part of it, but what makes the FA Cup and League Cup in England so much fun is you see those matchups that just would never happen if they were regionally. Like Tottenham played Tramere Rovers in the FA Cup right, last year. Right. Or if it was done regionally, Tramere would be getting destroyed by Liverpool in their first game rather than playing someone else. And I'd love to see more of those matchups. Like the Open Cup is a lot of fun for what it is, but mm-hmm. I wish they did something different from MLS where it wasn't like an East-West because I feel like You'd have so much more rivalries. Like, could you imagine getting a Seattle-Portland Open Cup final or League Cup final right, rather right, than yeah. say here playing this fourth round match that you guys do every yeah, single that's year? That's the thing. Like, like the the matchups are getting a little stale. And then, like, even if you had, you know, Portland-Seattle, Portland-Vancouver, Seattle-Vancouver, whatever, to like decide the semifinal of the Open Cup, like that would be awesome. But instead, you're getting that as like a fourth round matchup. Yeah, Which, like, like, is fine, and it's been, like, it's led to some really interesting things. Like, wasn't it against the Timbers the other year when Clint Dempsey ripped that referee's notebook up in front of him? Yeah, that was at Starfire when they, they yeah. did that, and that led him to getting... So, like, that was hilarious, but it wasn't like, oh, wow, like, that game meant a lot. It was just, like, he got frustrated if the ref ripped up his notebook and got suspended for, like, five games, so... Yeah, and, like... Yeah. I can't, even at MLS, the way they do their East-West, I can't recall there being, like, what was the last MLS Cup Final you could tell that both, like, obviously both teams, you want to win the Cup Final and everything, but what was, like, the last Cup Final you could tell that both teams, like, truly hated each other, or they were, like, big rivals, I would argue it was that Sporting KC Real Salt Lake one from a few years ago. I was literally just looking up the year that that happened, because that was what I was going to say, damn it. Yeah, that was, like, the only one I could really think of. But other than that, I haven't, like, truly thought of a team that, like, both sides 2013? Were... Wow, that was forever ago. 2013. I don't know. You could argue that uh, Seattle-Toronto, uh, when they did their uh, double, or when they did that two mm. years in a row, they had somewhat of a sporting rivalry. But I was going to say, yeah, and then the... It wasn't, was like, it? two the, clubs that hated each other. The Revs and the Dynamo in 2006 and 2007, and, like, L.A. and Houston in 2011-2012 both played in back-to-back MLS Cups. But, like, that's not even... Like, that's a rivalry because you just want to beat the other team at that point. Right? Yeah. Because, like... What LA but, won both of those, and uh, yeah, but like the way the teams have all been, or the system is built up with doing East West, you're not getting the rivalries. I think the closest thing you'd ever get to a rivalry would be if Sporting KC was playing Chicago. I'm talking about like in terms of proximity of distance mm. in the final, yeah, or like Minnesota Chicago or someone like that. But, yeah, I, that's just more on the uh, Interleague Cup to kind of go forward. One thing that mm-hmm. they also spoke on in this article was they're planning on to invest a lot more in TV and broadcasting. I hope to God it's not Flow Sports. Yeah, that... Mm-hmm. that Listen, you know, I'm not going to say that if they switch over that I called it immediately, but, man, let me tell you. No amount of money will is worth the 
how angry you know, basically the entire fan base as a whole would be. Well, You're, and it's like it's not even going to be the USL paying Flow Sports to be better at their job. Like Flow Sports is paying USL for the broadcasting rights. So it's like, it's still going to be the same shitty interface and app and not ability to stream. If anyone doesn't have any idea what we're talking about, if you want to just look up Flow Sports on the Twitter machine or try to find any article from like the D.C. or Cincinnati area about their experiences with Flow Sports this year. Or uh, if you want to go a level deeper to see how long it's been since that, or, or uh, how long Flow Sports has been terrible at their job, if you look up Flow Slam, S-L-A-M, you can see how bad they're wrestling uh, service was because that was also a nightmare um so yeah hopefully it's not that hopefully they mean they're working with each market individually to give them more money to be better at broadcasting and hiring people that know how to work your camera damn it yeah there are some teams that have like really good setups and i'd argue it's like fantastic but then you also get to some other sides like i understand there are some baseball stadiums who they just they're not built for soccer mm-hmm. and there's just not going to be a perfect angle you could argue right. tulsa el paso or a few examples Charleston's, you, charleston always gave me weird problems because the where they have the camera if you pan over to the left for like a goal kick near side the press box gets mm-hmm. in the way but but it's like but let, let's at least be uh, fair on this one like new mexico opening match of the year it was I'd argue it's a really bad broadcast yeah. from their part. I mean, the audio was all over the place. The camera mm-hmm. was not at, even at midfield, and it looked to be just shaky the entire stuff. But they have improved upon that, and yes. they fixed the audio. They fixed the camera placement, and it's now a really solid broadcast given the situation of it being in, like, short left-center field. Right. Or yeah. right-center field. But they've improved, and there are teams who are making a valiant effort to improve their situations but obviously the added funds and financial backing behind the league would help all of these teams out in the long run Mm. yeah um do you have anything else on that i think we pretty much touched on everything i mean there's the like the other no-brainer things where it's like oh we want to work with mls to to strengthen um VAR and then the uh, you know head injury protocols and things like that and I imagine that's more of a USSF thing. I think the problem yeah, they're going to run into with uh, VAR is not every stadium can have those can, capabilities. Yeah, it's yeah. Like yeah, they, so I remember, th- or the like golden or the good old days of the league when it was like 2015, 2016, where they said that one team, New York Red Bulls two, was yeah. able to yeah, yeah, yeah. use VAR because that was in their stadium. But then when you had like the Hammerheads playing in a high school football stadium, yeah, yeah, or like when Cincinnati was able to play in Nipper and have the replay capability and everything there, it made an unfair advantage in the league. And you even saw that in the Premier League this past weekend. Mm-hmm that like for at old trafford today when they did var there's no jumbotron or like flat screens in inside the stadium proper at old trafford it's all pa announcements whereas every other league every other stadium i think except for anfield has like mm-hmm. some type of jumbotron at least in view of the pitch yeah so i think the var thing they're going to run into a few snacks and it's going to be difficult to kind of implement but the head injury program and deciding where the reserve side should sit in usl going forward all of that's gonna kind of sort itself out yeah i mean there's a couple things here like the the amount of teams you let in where teams play all that stuff where where usl themselves have 
direct control over. Which are the ones I'm excited about, like the MLS two sides. I'm I'm interested about the uh, you know how many teams end up in the championship or, or where they cap that number at. I'm interested about what League One looks at because, I I mean you can't look at that or this season for for League One and not think of it as a success um, in any metric. But yeah, I mean you know some of the stuff is just very like oh like. Well, yeah, of course you're going to say that to, you know, Jeff Reuter. And, you know, props to him for, for doing a really great job on that article if he ever finds this. Um, but it's nice, you know, and it's nice to have a transparent league office like that where Jake Edwards is very much, you know, uh, open and honest about things that he wants to have happen. And, and, you know, not all of them obviously come off like we've seen or like you said earlier about the, you know, weird uh, 5,000 seat stadiums for everybody or, or get out kind of rules, but it's at least nice to see, you know, USL have some ambition and not be, con- you know, comfortable being as big as they are right now. Yeah, I mean, going forward, the, it helps the league and it helps grow the fan base that they have this kind of open dialogue with um, just with their fans and with so much of the media members. Like, like as much as I. Like loathe a lot some things with MLS, just like some mm-hmm. of their behind the door scenes. I appreciate their like state the state of the league addresses that they do, just talk about the league itself. But even yeah, this year with uh, halftime at the All Star game, Garver really didn't even say much in his state of the league address, especially regarding right. the expansion. It was just like, oh yeah, we named off St. Louis, Sacramento, North Carolina, but things need to be worked on there's stuff behind the scenes with this they're actually with at least with usl they're giving us that you get six to eight more markets than we're closed we're doing the center league cup prize money all of that it's helpful going forward to know which what things are on the table and and what things are being worked on behind the scenes and everything but i the overall kind of closing of this article was that it's all kind of just leading up and targeting the 2026 World Cup when it's finally back on U.S. soil after 1994. Mm-hmm. And the stronger U.S. soil that we have there, the best it's going to be for once the entire world kind of looks back on the United States and see what the stage is. I think it's going to be beneficial to have a strong MLS and a strong USL there mm-hmm. because when we hosted it last time, I mean, I wasn't alive for it at the time to say, but we <laughs> didn't have a top division flight league. and. And right. part of the reasons that we were hosting it was that we would found a top division, f- top flight league. And yeah. if it looks strong for us, because when the teams are over here, they're going to obviously be playing in a bunch of NFL stadiums. But if they see your Seattle stadium or Atlanta and see it's like, okay, an MLS team is selling out this place, that's right, going to be right. a good look for it. I mean, I saw yeah. one article recently talking about that a lot of the uh, players from South America are looking more towards MLS as their kind of mm-hmm. jumping point of their career rather than going to Europe because of, like, the quality of play is improving here. You're seeing stadiums become filled week after week, and I, I'm guessing, like, playing in front of 72,000 in Atlanta would be more exciting than, like, a half-empty stadium in the Netherlands or Luxembourg or something. Oh, well, like, Josef Martinez and Miguel Almiron and, you know... Like, those guys have obviously helped set that path. But, I mean, even in USL, you've seen more of a pipeline for the Caribbean and, and American kids to come through, like Paxton Pomacall and Brandon Aronson and, you know, kids like that who are making Yeah, we're getting a ton now. of different... Yeah, we got, like, a ton of different Jamaican players, and it's almost mm-hmm. like what the Canadian Premier League is doing to Canada's 
yeah. game. It's improving that for them, and that was that. It's improving the region as a whole. Obviously, that makes the United States men's national team struggle on their own. But <laughs> it's I've always argued with MLS and USL. It's not their job to improve the national team. Improving the national team is just a byproduct mm-hmm. of a good league. It's their job to put out a strong right. product, and the fact that they're improving everyone else in the region is improving everyone. A rising tide is going to raise all ships. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty much the entire article. I can't think of much else to speak on. Mm. Looking forward to the chase towards the playoffs. Phoenix has been killing it recently. I think a 16-game <laughs> winning streak, while Tulsa has yeah. been going in the opposite direction. I think Pony discussed mm-hmm. it at length, but I think there's only like seven teams right now who can win the, uh, lift the title this year. Yeah. He had a couple things out and I'll, I'll be curious. Uh, I think him and Phil, I imagine touched on a lot of that. Um, but it'll be interesting to see, um, how wrong they are as I usually like to say, because Lord knows, but yeah. Um, if New Mexico can stop letting in so many goals, they'll be one to one to watch, but, uh, yeah, as far as uh, as far as we're concerned, I think I think that's it, eh? Yeah, I'd say that pretty much covered a lot of the off the field stuff, and I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot more from the league as you get towards the end of the year. Because I, I can always guarantee you, when December thirty first, two thousand nineteen rolls around, we'll have a few more expansion club announcements. We'll have teams who are going to drop stuff like that. We'll get a lot more news as the season wraps up, especially once you reach the USL Cup final, when they like to do a lot of their media foray there. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even around the championship, I'm sure there'll be a, a good bit of news happening. But uh, anyway, hey, uh, huge thanks to to Roughneck Scarves for sponsoring this uh, this lovely podcast. Uh, if you want to give us a shout and, and talk to us about either the playoffs or uh, the athletic slash Reddit post that you guys saw, you, you liked it. If you think that it's all just hot air, or whatever, uh, feel free at the USL show. Get in touch with uh, with Ryan at ILM underscore Ryan. You can find me at Speak Evan Speak. Uh, until next week, I'm sure we're going to try to do more of these like half-hour episodes where we kind of focus in on one or two topics a week. Um, the lineup of who will be around to do those is subject to change, so you might get a different kind of pairing or what have you every week. We're still working on that. But we're going to try these like half-hour episodes, see if you like them, and, uh, and we'll go from there. But until then, guys, uh, thanks for listening. And uh, we'll, we'll talk to you soon.